Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft, and uh, uh, we're not at a brewery. It's been a long time, I think, since we've done a show that wasn't at a brewery, uh, but even better than any brewery that uh, that we could be at, we're at Higher Gravity in Summit Park. I decided to uh, crash everybody's favorite podcast location, <laughs> Higher Gravity Summit Park. If anybody that doesn't doesn't know kind of the the origin of that, uh, Troopier Podsequences is usually here on Tuesdays making their show where they talk about all the local podcasts. So I decided I was just going to show up and set up my podcast so they couldn't do a podcast. Uh, but then they were already here. <laughs> so now they're just sitting here at the table awkwardly. And I put microphones in front of them because uh, uh, I'm going to crash their spot. I guess they get to crash my show. Uh, Marco, Julia, uh, welcome back to the show, guys. You guys Thank have both you. been on the show before. Thank you. Several times. Um, how are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. The real star of this show, though. Uh, somebody that I've been trying to get on the show for when did <laughs> when did we first start? It was, it was like it was definitely last year. Yeah, it was like a year ago at least. Uh, uh, Elijah Moreland. Uh, for anybody who is uh, unfamiliar with you, you are a uh, local craft beer evangelist, a uh, home brewer, a um, a sour beer nut. Yes, a geek in all of the best ways possible. I like to um, think so. What am I What am I missing from your intro here? He's the uh, best trivia host in Trivia Landia. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know where Trivia Landia is, but it sounds like a very fun place to hang out. It's at Fig Leaf on uh, Wednesday nights. <laughs> right. And, which is just across the train tracks. Yeah, right. Yeah. It is technically just across the train tracks, depending on which that direction you're coming from. Yeah. True. Although I'm sure there's train tracks on both directions at some point. So. As long as you're not tied to them. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, that's... Go, going north on Cincinnati Dayton to Fig Leaf, you do cross train mm-hmm. tracks. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a whole bunch of stuff about you, and we'll let Marco and Julia just kind of chime in <laughs> and give their opinions on you. <laughs> we'll get, we'll we get their truth. <laughs> their, exactly. their truth of all of this. Um, but first, we got to talk about what we're drinking because it is a craft beer show, and uh, craft beer shows, you have to drink craft beer, beer in my fridge. opinion. Agreed. Or else somebody will definitely talk about you behind your back. Um, I like know us. that, uh, yes, that was. The, <laughs> <laughs> it looks like me and Elijah have the same beer. Uh, mm-hmm. guessing all right i can't guess julia's you're not going to be able to guess mine. marco's got a low g there it looks like correct um all right julia what are you drinking we'll start so, with you this is a very special cuvee of urban artifacts of bushel and 50 west uh, all aboard they're ap- mm. uh, apric- apricot apricot sour. i say it differently every time mm. it's only a cuvee because the the keg blue and when nick was switching kegs he's like so who wants a mix of the two and i'm like that sounds like that could be pretty good so that's i, what I I'm, believe what I'm i have a little bit of that too but mine's gonna Excellent. be cuvee a little bit different a little oh yeah a little less okay, okay. <laughs> um have you tried it yet I it have looks not. like you you haven't tried it yet no, no okay. it, it, so i just got a little gotcha. bit of it. he poured a full pint for marco and then this for me and mark is like not sure i can do that one so i, I think just that's the one i have this. right here okay all right um, tell me, tell me what you think about it, and I'll I'll take a sip of mine. And you, it is definitely not as heavy on the bushel side as I thought it would be for good. that keg blowing. But yeah, this is really good. Yeah, I like that beer. Yeah. Um. Uh. Anybody that doesn't know, bushel is uh, apples. Um. I don't still don't know how much a bushel of apples is. How many apples makes a bushel? But I think isn't the whole joke with that beer like there's a bushel of apples, like in each barrel or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. 
I think I'll we, find out. I think we looked it up on an we episode of Weekly Pint, but I don't have um, I don't, I don't have my notes for that in front of me right now, so I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> so I've got to look it up right now. A bushel is a number of pecs, probably, and <laughs> x amount of pecs equal one bushel, yeah. which then equals some kind of pounds, which is the way everything should be measured because it's easier to uh, yeah. to recognize as an American. One bushel of apples equals 42 pounds or about 120 medium-sized apples. There you go. All right. There wow. Go. Yeah. That's a lot of apples. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it tastes so appley. <laughs> I love it. It's, yeah. Um, I like, uh, I think apple flavor in general is one of those things that as a kid, I kind of uh, got a little uh, overwhelmed with uh, too much apple juice or something, and I just didn't like it anymore and didn't want it unless it was in uh, Applejack form. I was not going to eat any <laughs> apples. And then as I've gotten older, like I've started to started to really kind of enjoy it again, uh, specifically in drink form, <laughs> uh, usually fermented drinks, be it cider or uh, a beer like this. Um, this is great. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Marco. Yo. Loji. Yeah. Tell me about that beer. <laughs> it's a house beer here at uh, Higher Gravity uh, at both locations, Summit Park yep. and uh, Dorside. So brewed by Westside Brewing. It is uh, very similar to, very similar to their common ale. It's a uh, just an easy drink of beer if you yeah. uh, you need a golden ale, something that uh, um, isn't going to weigh you down, something that uh, you can keep sipping on all night. It's a uh, it's a great choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused with their high G, which they did for their beer vent calendar uh, two years ago. They need to bring that, which back. was a malt liquor. <laughs> malt, that was so <laughs> great, that very was different so beer. That was fantastic. <laughs> It was a great beer. Uh, I didn't know that I liked malt liquor. <laughs> Turns out I do. Well, I, have, I have a bunch of stories back then. When I just turned one of your nicknames to, in high school. When I just turned legal to drink, I drank a lot of malt liquor. I think we all did. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mean it was good. <laughs> Elijah, all right, let's get into your beer. This, uh, this is figgy pudding, right? Yes, nitro figgy pudding. So uh, good. I missed out on the uh, beer vent calendar this year, and. Uh, but made my own, which is always fun. And uh, so I was happy to see this on still. And, of course, I had to get it. It's- it tastes uh, to me. Um, and I, I couldn't put this together when I first tried it, which, again, I think I tried it on the Weekly Pint. Uh, a very fruit punchy, mm-hmm. which was not something that was even in my mind at the time. But now kind of seeing the direction that they're going. Maybe this was a little bit of an experiment towards that. that it's uh, the year kinda, of Fruit Punch. It is definitely the year of Fruit Punch. Um, they just released uh, Cappy Snacks, which is a Fruit Punch Ale. Mm-hmm. It is not a fruit tart. This definitely is the not. first fruit tart that they or the first beer that they've released that they're not calling a fruit tart in a very long time, uh, which I find really interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> I probably need to uh, uh, call them and see. Uh, what the heck are you guys doing? I thought you didn't make beers anymore. Now you made uh, a fruit punch ale. I, I will say on their uh, small batch society front, they have been making beers that are not That's true. fruit tarts. That is true. They have done some uh, some kind of uh, some strange kind of experiments. Yeah, fig but... quads and mango colches and orange IPAs and yeah, uh, those most of those were kind of right around October, though, too. Yeah. Where uh, they historically tend to do some different things than what they normally do. So, um, yeah, this is a good beer. I like yeah. this a lot. It uh, uh, it does kind of taste like fruit punch. I feel like if uh, I had a bunch of this in front of me, I would just keep drinking it all day long and it would end up very badly. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, well, and the nitro just makes it so much easier drinking. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a great beer. 
Let's talk about you, Elijah. Let's talk about, uh, uh, let's talk um, as any good uh, villain has. It's a joke, guys. You have to listen to whatever episode of uh, Truth Beer Pods, Pod that was. Episode uh, 103.5. It was a bonus. So I you, looked it up for this okay. week. <laughs> for our show. I didn't. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, where uh, we, we were sitting around this, this table and uh, made a joke about uh something about like crossing the train tracks and then that turned into top being yeah. tied to the train tracks yeah, yeah. which Started, then led into who would we who do we know that would do such a thing well no god i think one of you i don't remember which one of you told me it was impossible to tie someone to, to railroad mm. tracks one of you made that statement. I think that might have been Mark. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sure you can do it. You just you have to move yeah. the rocks from and under so the tresses. And, then and we decided we needed to find some kind of expert on the subject <laughs> of if it was possible to tie someone to railroad tracks, which as a joke, we decided who is the only person with a great curly, curly mustache, mustache that yeah. we know that looks a like a, whiplash, a yeah. villain that would tie someone to railroad tracks. And Elijah came up. And as we were calling Elijah, somebody was, or we were all trying to call, look up his number. Yeah, Nobody, yeah. None of us could find his number or anything. And <laughs> somebody said, well, look on Facebook. You know, you can call somebody from Facebook. And at that time, then we saw the profile picture of you tying your wife to railroad tracks. <laughs> yes. It was but, good times. Uh, as every good villain has, uh, everybody has an origin story. And I want to know kind of your origins into craft beer. How did you... How did you get into this thing? Was it uh, uh, was there a moment? Was there a beer? Was there an experience? How did how did that happen for you? So my my journey to craft started you know, in in college. I was never the guy that wanted to drink trash macro beers. Right. Um, I was the guy bringing you know Guinness or even Killian's or Bell's Two Hearted or whatever to not a lot of malt liquors. No, not not a lot of malt <laughs> liquors in my uh, repertoire. But, uh, you know, Sierra Nevada, that was early on. And then um, after college, I had a buddy of mine who lived right down the road from Belmont Party Supply up in Dayton, mm -hmm. um, which was a great uh, bottle shop. Um, Gus, who owns Barrel House, started out there. And right. um, so, you know, good, good place. And... We, he would do movie nights every month, and so we'd go, and we'd go to the bottle shop, and everybody would buy a bomber or, you know, a single, and we'd split it up and share it out amongst our ourselves. And So you had you had friends at this time that were also kind of craft beer geeks? Right. Who, who were, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even classify all of us as craft beer geeks at that point, but right. we were just, you know... Craft beer curious? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, none of us, none of us were macro beer drinkers. Right. Um... Because we like flavor and taste and those sorts of things. Were you drinking other things? Were you drinking? Uh, so I was, you know, if I if we were going out, um, I went to Wright State. So we went to Quaker Steak and Lube a lot. Right. And um, my, my drink of choice were gin and tonics. Okay. So that was what I kind of started out my um, legal drinking tenure as is 
Uh, and I blame Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for I was my. Say, how, did, how, did, how did that happen? Because twenty-one-year-old uh, <laughs> drinking gin and tonics. Yeah, like I, I love gin, and I, as far as back as I can remember, I, I love gin. Well, maybe not as far. I think I do remember an early experience where I didn't enjoy it, but yeah, uh, like pretty early on, like I realized that that flavor was something that that I liked, but uh, it was definitely strange. That was I was not I was not normal amongst my peers right. at that time when you would go out and like oh, I'll take a they had gin and tonic. Don't. Don't tell them that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, that that was my um always my drink and was it really because of Hitchhiker's Guide it, to the Galaxy? It was so you entirely it started out try be- it? because of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I love that. Um because there's the point where uh Arthur in Hitchhiker's Guide talks about, you know, no two places make a gin and tonic the exact same way and it's a universal drink. You can go to any uh, any planet in the yeah. universe and they have a okay. gin and tonic. Oh, I don't, I don't know that that's true, but I accept that's probably true. <laughs> well, thank God you weren't like a Bukowski fan or something and stuck sing, <laughs> drinking scotch in your underwear instead. Like, I mean, it could have gone a lot White of different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of different directions that could have gone. But yeah, I uh, spent a lot of time at uh, Highland Coffee House down, yeah. you know, down Cincinnati. And um, that was always my drink there. And I could, I could go six months between walking in the door and Rob, the regular bartender there, I'd walk in. Oh, and he goes, "His name was Rob. You were not robbing." The no, bartender. no, no, no. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, clarifying. Not, yeah, to get away from the villainous origins. Yeah, but, but yeah, I'd, I'd walk I in six months him later. To railroad tracks, <laughs> and he'd be like, "Gin and tonic, double Hendrix." Yeah, how do you? Know? Yeah, that's you remember. Good. So, what was it that I, was it just the simplicity of beer that then kind of pushed you into craft beer, or yeah, and and it was. Um, I, so what what got me more and more into craft beer was um, Belgians and sours. That's okay. how I really came to love it. Um, and probably around two thousand seven eight, um, my buddy Joe Bridges, who's in the you know uh, in Facebook beer communities and stuff, and right. um, he's like, "Do you like sours at all?" I'm like, I have no idea what a sour is, and so he started me down the path that I'm on today, and right. um, I've never been the same since. <laughs> so uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. So sour beer is one of those things that uh, I've heard a lot of people say that uh, those craft beer drinkers, and then maybe eventually they get into sour beer, uh, or you flip it and like there's wine drinkers, and that's their way into sour beer, mm-hmm. into into craft beer. Um, what so what is it about sour beer that that that, that attracted you? Uh, was it, was it a difficult jump? Was there, um, cause even when you start talking about cocktails and I guess not cocktails, but gin and tonic specifically, yeah. uh, it's not a sour cocktail. It's not, uh, it's not bracing in a lot of ways. I mean, there's some strong flavors there, but not, not in the same way that a sour beer can be. I think it can sometimes, uh, shock the palate for people that aren't, aren't sure. used to it or aren't ready for it. Um, uh, what was it that kind of drew you into sour beer or, or maybe it was just general Belgian. I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the fruit expression, okay. um, which locally maybe naturally fall in love with urban artifact. Right. Um, who, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll plug them till the day I die. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about them in a minute, <laughs> but, but so I, I like the, the way that that sour beer um really embraces the character of 
the fruit. And as I learned more and more, I loved the artisanship that comes comes with right. sours and the that you're never gonna almost never gonna drink the same sour beer twice as long as you're drinking a if you're drinking a traditional sour beer. Right. See, for me, like when when I kind of started growing up on craft beer, it was IPA was that was like I guess IPA still is everything, but mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the sense of balance within a beer was uh, the sweetness of malt and the bitterness of hops. And those two things coming together and trying to find a place where they can they can live in harmony. Yeah. And the first time that I really drank and understood a sour beer, we'll, we'll say Lambic, because I think that was probably mm-hmm. what kind of got me into sour beer at some point. And using sourness and then that kind of sweetness from the wheat and this big body of, of what that wheat beer is... And when those things can find a way to find a balance, it was different than anything else that I knew that was out there. And it kind of it blew my mind a little bit that that could be the thing that created balance. When, when it clicks, it's like it's a magical moment in your your brain and your palate. It's it's like, oh, this goes with this goes with this. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of uh, sour beer producers out there that uh, have not found balance. <laughs> it's no. just uh, uh, teeth-numbingly sour, and right. it's like they don't understand what they're doing. Uh, to be clear, that is not what we're referencing. That's not what we're talking <laughs> about. Those are not great beers. No. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> uh, uh, let's, uh, since we're talking about sour beer, let's, let's go ahead and roll into, uh, urban artifact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys don't have to just sit here and watch us. If you want to chime <laughs> in at any point, you're allowed to, you can ask questions. You can uh, take part in the conversation. I'm <laughs> enjoying learning more about okay. Elisha because we've never really had a lot of opportunity to sit and talk to him before. I'm just enjoying the moment. So right. don't worry. We'll, we'll chime in okay. when, when we feel, uh, <laughs> when it's feel appropriate. Any, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, uh, urban artifact. Uh, how did you get turned on to urban artifact? When did you, uh, because, uh, and I, like, I'm, I, I watch some of this stuff pretty closely mm-hmm. and I can remember like the moment that I heard, wait, these guys are going to just make sour beer. And like my mind just being, Oh man, this is, this yeah. is cool. Number one, this is cool. Number two, Oh God, how long are they going to last? How is this yeah. going to actually work in Cincinnati? Are they, did they know what they're doing? Um, how did you kind of get turned on to them and how did, how did that kind of experience for you go? So it actually started because of the blue wisp big band. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a buddy of mine and I would, so after they were, it was, they were already open. You, they, they had been open about a month and, um, the blue wisp had shut down and the big band had started playing at urban artifact on Wednesday nights. Um, as their new regular haunt. Right. Shout out to uh, George Clooney for coming and hanging out too. <laughs> he was one of the people that came and watched the, the Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, so about a month into the big band starting at Urban Artifact, my, my buddy that I would go see them with, uh, he said, oh, they're, you know, they got, they're at this new brewery, Urban Artifact, and, you know, let's go check them out. So we did, and I, I fell in love. Was were you already into sours and Belgians yeah. at that point? Yeah, I that? was. Um, I had already been um, well, well healed in that, and <laughs> and and really at that point in time, I did not love IPAs much at all. Right. I, I was, I'd been kind of burnt out on them, um, and well, I've come back around to them. But well, that was probably pretty consistent when the tail end of everybody was trying to be, you know, the most bitter thing on the on the planet yeah. and and there was 
like this bitter arms race. And that was probably right at the tail end of, of that mess where I could see a lot of palate fatigue uh, surrounding that. You think that was the tail end? You don't think you, we're not still in that somehow? Uh, <laughs> not, not, not for bitterness. I think, yeah. I think hot profile, I think trying to, well, that's a good point. You know, it, it's, There's... it's the bitter, I, the bitterness is, is subsided. I, that's, that's, a, that's actually a really good point. There, there are not a lot of bitter IPAs around anymore, but the, the idea of like just being hoppier than the guy next to you is yeah. definitely still around. Um, yeah. Just that definition has changed, yeah. which is, I think that in itself is kind of interesting, especially kind of going back to that uh, sours and Belgians kind of thing. Like the, that 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 whole concept never really existed with that style, as far as I mm-hmm. know. Where somebody was trying to outdo somebody else, like oh, ours is more spontaneous than yours. You know, well, like that didn't... in in the the sour and wild beer community, there's there's a certain amount of you know, heavy sharing of information in sure. that community because somebody says, Oh, I just found out that, you know, that lactobacillus works better in this environment than this environment. And, you know, check this out. And, um, you know, maybe it's not quite that excited, but, um, and for some people, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> they, they might just kind of tone it down before they uh, they like uh, start talking about it or like writing about it. Like you might not get to see that excitement, right. but it's there. But, I know but like it's there. If, if you spend any time on so Milk the Funk is a, a big yeah. sour and wild you know beer wiki and Facebook group. If you spend any amount of time on there, you see that excitement and. Yeah, I I don't brew at all anymore, and mm-hmm. uh, not that I ever really did, but uh, um, but I spend a lot of time on Milk the Funk, just kind of uh, just reading what people are talking about, reading again the excitement that people are like you know right. trying to figure something out, and like I I enjoy that side of craft beer, and I think that I think that's a big part of what kind of did turn me on to to uh, especially sour beer because. Um, it's still so kind of mysterious, you know, this, yeah. this idea of, you know, especially spontaneous fermentation, which a lot of this still comes from some kind of mm-hmm. a wild yeast. You, and, you put your magic stick into the yeah. beer and yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. I got this piece of driftwood that some bear took a piss on, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, we stick it in this and boom, you know, yeah. we get this kind of well, craziness. You you it, have the, the Norwegian, you know, kvikerings that are like, oh, yeah. all of our kvikeyeast is on this wood. And yeah. 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 Nobody understands why it works the way it does, but it just does. And like that, like that magic of beer, I think is something that we've we've as technology has advanced and as science is is caught up with beer making uh, we've lost a lot of that like it mm-hmm. used to be like you know when, when you even go back to like lager beer which is like the most i shouldn't say the most scientific it is probably one of the uh uh industrials industrially speaking mm-hmm. industrially is that is that a word yeah. Industrially speaking, uh, one of the more heavily studied and heavily advanced uh, beer styles because of what happened here in the United States. Uh, and people people put a ton of money into trying to figure out lager beer and how to make it uh, quicker and easier and cheaper. And, you know, like it that that magic of that style got lost in all of that. Like it used mm-hmm. to be that like. You know, those brewers in Germany did, they didn't know why the beer was changing the way it did. It's just like, hey, yeah, if we put it here and we leave it here for a little bit longer, it starts to taste a little bit better. And yep. if we, we brew it and, and leave it at this temperature, it doesn't get 
funky. It doesn't, well, it, you know. Yeah, I mean that that has to make me think that as technically uh, precise and and difficult as it is to to make something so crisp, clean, and pure and repetitive that a lot of beer from a long time ago must have been really bad. Oh, and oh it had yeah. to be bad. And, and, had, and had to, you know, the, the, the ones that tasted great, even though they came out not as intended, probably some sort of historical repetitiveness uh, actually formed. And then there, therefore we have, you know, products that, you know, perpetuate uh, just in that sort of unknowing and misguidedness. Um, there's something about the magic of brewing that I think is important as a, as a drinker. I'm be burping a whole bunch now. There's all kinds of <laughs> lactic acid and all kinds of things happening in my throat right now. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, when, uh, to, to kind of give an example on one of my experiences, I don't, I don't know if I talked, I, I know I talked to somebody about this very recently. I don't think it was on this show, but it, it might've been, if it was, I'm sorry. Uh, just hit the fast forward button. Uh, I was, uh, uh, this has been a couple of years. There was a brewery out in Mount Oreb. Uh, called Bardwell. They had a winery and they also started making a couple beers and uh, they, they had three beers. There was like an amber, an IPA and probably like a blonde or something. And uh, I went out there, uh, had all the beers. I was like, oh, this is this is this is fun. Everything is is beer. And uh, I, I, they also packaged them all like they prepackaged them all in these like swing top bottles. I'm like, this is cool. I'm gonna, I'll take a bottle home with me of each of them. Uh, I want to I want to write about this. I want to want to tell people about Bardwell. And uh, I got home and I, I drank the blonde and it was it was a blonde and that was fine. I took my notes and all that and got ready to write about it. And I, IPA was uh, an IPA and it was fine. And then I took that amber ale and I opened it up and I popped that swing top bottle and <laughs> shot to the ceiling. And that beer was one of the best beers I've ever drank in my life. It was delicious. Uh, it was spontaneously fermented <laughs> <laughs> unintentionally. But there's something about like if... If this had been, you know, uh, 400 years ago, uh, that experience of finding this thing that I don't know how this happened, but I'm going to I'm going to try to keep replicating this and kind of keep doing this thing that I did that made this. Uh, that's that's fun. And and the beer was fun. It was good. It was uh, it was delicious. And so I, I like some of that uh, that mixture of uh, science and uh, magic. I, st I still yeah. kind of like that. And that that's, you know, to. To jump tracks to to the homebrewing side. Tracks? Are we talking about tracks <laughs> again? Jesus. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but but like part of the joy of homebrewing is you know, you you know what you should be doing. Right. You know, you know, what temperature you should be fermenting at, you know what marks you need to hit. But chances are, especially as a starting out homebrewer you are not going to be able to do all of that temperature control right. and hit all those things. And so you have this little bit of accidental magic that, you know, changes things. Uh, so uh, since we're headed down that road, let's, let's go there. How did you get into homebrewing? So you're, uh, you're, you've moved on. Well, not maybe not moved on. You've shifted from just gin and tonics. Now you're bringing in uh, sour beer and Belgian beer and all these other things <laughs> and probably experimenting with lots of other styles at that point. Yep. Uh, how do you then make that jump into making your own beer and, and why is so, the big question for me? So I had a coworker who was a home brewer and, um, on our lunch break one day, he's like, Hey, come down to Listerman with me. And, um, 
we went and it was my first time actually on the homebrew side of Listerman. And I walked into the grain room and I fell in love with that smell of all those oh, malted yeah. grains. Um, and that, that malt dust that's just in the air there. Yeah. Or was in the air there. Uh, <laughs> Still there in theory a little bit. Uh, it hurts my heart. <laughs> it's, uh, Listerman is still selling homebrew supplies, the, the, and they have not said that that's ever going to stop. Yes. <laughs> Even if a lot of their yeast is expired. It's, it's, there, it's a transition it's time. It's just different. Yeah. 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 Transition that's time. All. Cut, yeah. cut yeah. that part out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so I... I fell in love with that, and I started. I I talked to my wife, and I'm like, "What if we started homebrewing?" Um, she's a chem- chemical engineer by schooling, right? Um, and and so she's like, "Okay, yeah, if you want to start brewing, we we can start brewing." And uh, so I did. I started with a extract kit for. I think it was Listerman's Oktoberfest uh, Meritzen extract kit was the very right. first thing I brewed. And uh, within a year, I had moved to all grain brewing. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. I did an extract batch of uh, Belgian wit. I did an extract IPA. Go back to the first batch. Yep. Uh, so, uh, did your wife brew with you? She she did that first time. Uh, so, out of, uh, I mean, it, it probably turned out okay then, right? Yeah. Like it was. Yeah. A lot of people like it takes them a while to kind of get into that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it tasted like a, you know relatively okay Meritson. It was, right. it was drinkable. It, there's, there's so many people that like, they, they, they like, they love beer. They're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. And then they get there and they, uh, the brewing process is fine. You know, they're yeah. clean enough and everything. But then uh, as soon as they hit that fermentation stage, all hell breaks loose mm-hmm. and, uh, and it doesn't taste good afterwards and they can't really figure out why. And so it kind of turns them off from the hobby a little Do, bit. Doing dishes. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Every single brewer ever Anywhere will tell you it is doing dishes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so, within a year, you're you're uh, you're brewing all grain. What kind of what time frame are we at? What year are we talking about here? So we are. I think I think I brewed my first batch six years ago now. Okay. Um, so there were there were breweries around. Like yeah. It wasn't oh, yeah. like. I mean, there, I I had been you know frequenting Urban Artifact by then, right. and you know everywhere else that was open and. What's that why, make it 2017? Why 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 make your own beer when around you you're surrounded by uh, not just a lot of breweries making a lot of good beer. There are world-class breweries around you like within a very close driving distance, a very very close uh, visiting distance. Mm-hmm. You can go to multiple. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can go to the gas station and find world-class beer. Why homebrew? Like what was it what was that thing? Because I like pain and torture. <laughs> 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 no, it, it it really, um, you know, as as you say at the top of the show, I'm a nerd, or, right, or geek, or however right. you want you want to phrase it. But um, I I like that, you know, drilling down and being interested in the the science of it all, um, and the, you know, there was a a time where the owner of the company that I work for, who is uh, has since retired, um, wanted ways for kind of our, our company to, you know, have a, a monthly or quarterly hangout and do something. Right. And, um, prior to me, there had been somebody on staff who was a home brewer 
who um, would like brew a five gallon batch and, you know, on a, you know, weekday afternoon, we'd, you know, top, kick the keg and, right. you know, everybody would just hang out and drink a little bit after work. Um, and so our owner was looking for somebody. He's like, somebody else needs to brew who can do it. And I'm like, oh, I've, you know, I've done a few batches. And so I started brewing at work. <laughs> What uh, what types of styles do you typically brew? Because uh, anybody that kind of follows you online knows your love for <laughs> urban artifact and sour beer. So um, the the first style that I brewed that I think was just the the thing that I nailed um, was a Schwartz beer, and that made me fall in love with that style. Is right. uh, because I, I, up to that point, I don't think I had ever at least had anything that was described as a Schwartz beer it was right you know I, that's a whole nother rabbit hole <laughs> well you know maybe we'll get down there yeah, but we can talk about that <laughs> I call, call things by their names <laughs> well but uh, we'll go ahead and we'll jump in it right now uh you know like switching tracks yeah, right? yeah. yeah. i mean how uh, what is the name like what is the thing that you think works for people you know uh, there are there are definitely some traditional style names that maybe uh, maybe confuse people. Maybe yeah. don't don't work necessarily anymore. I mean, I, I yeah, I guess the short beer is a black beer, right? That's that's all it is. But it's a German word for black beer, right? Uh, but if you call it like a like a black lager uh, or a dark lager, we'll say right. Uh, black lager is probably the right way to do it because there is right. Like right. But Dunkel everybody and that's a whole seems to thing. want to use a dark lager as the name instead of a black log. Uh, it should be black logger in my opinion. But, I agree. But I, but I get like, I get, I get drifting away from the tradition of a style name just for the sake of communication. As long as it's still communicated to the drinker properly, I don't care what you call your beer. I know what style I'm going to call it and what style <laughs> I think it fits into, but call it what it is. That'll make the most people understand what they're about to order because uh, that is extremely confusing for some drinkers and if somebody walks into a, a bar and doesn't have a very helpful bartender yeah. and there is a schwartz beer on tap and they ask what is that like, man that is that going to taste like you know uh sausage right they might not even <laughs> ask what is that going to be like they might just say i'm not familiar with whatever yeah, that just, word is and not even go and any farther than and that. afraid to yeah. and afraid to ask about it, afraid to bring sure, it up sure. like and they just so then they just never order it like i, th I think that that's uh I think that's one of the biggest problems with beer styles and I'll go a step further. And I think it's a big problem with drinks in general is that because of the atmosphere that a lot of people find themselves drinking in, uh, you don't have time sometimes to talk to somebody or to get explanation or to get comfortable with something that's written up there. If, yeah. Uh, if you know, if there's a, uh, some kind of Amaro or something like that mm -hmm. and you're like, I don't know what that is. So I'm just not going to order it, <laughs> you know, instead so of somebody instead sees of a, a rusty and nail. And what, what's a rusty yeah, nail? Sounds, Why would I want to drink that? That sounds terrible. It, it kind of is terrible. I don't oh, like I, rusty I nails. <laughs> I, I love a rusty nail. I had one of those on as a special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. R rusty nail is we technically what? Drambuie and scotch. And scotch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we took it off. That's yeah. a, that's a, it's a <laughs> cocktail. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a, a well, same friend that turned me on to sour beers. Um, he likes to add a little bit of RC Cola to his uh, rusty nails. That 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 might make it a Can little. Can you more still palatable. get that? Oh yeah, yeah. 
Oh, RC yeah. Cola. Yeah. RC Cola. RC's still available. Oh, yeah. You used to drink a ton of it at Cyclones games. Yeah. Shout out to the Cyclones for having <laughs> RC Cola. I think they finally uh, big boyed up to Pepsi now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was probably back in the days of the gardens that it was just RC Cola. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there before. Time doesn't make sense. Um, so uh, you, you start homebrewing. Uh, if you, and here's the kind of maybe some of the confusion for me too. Sure. Uh, if you go heavy into homebrewing, uh, then how do you kind of figure out that balance between that and, um, and supporting local breweries? <laughs> like how do you, uh, I know that, uh, what size is your, your brew system at home? I, I just have a five gallon batch. Even so. then. So you're, you gotta, you know, yeah, uh, it's, a, couple, it's a lot of beer. One cases time. of beer every time you're and, making and it. And I have a kegerator. So I usually keep like three kegs on tap at any given time. And, how do you, when you have three kegs of beer on tap at home, then be like, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy, uh, you know, a, a six pack at my local uh, local brewery. Uh, or, and, you know, I, I know my struggles, especially with Urban Artifact, they're putting out a ton of great stuff. You join the club and now there's just beer every month. And it's like, oh, no, I got to. The, the short answer beer. is I'm not a smart man, Janae. <laughs> <laughs> but but how do you uh, how do you figure out that kind of split for you? Uh, do you find yourself sharing more of the commercial beer that you buy, or do you find yourself sharing more of your homebrew, or is it a, a split? It's a, a pretty even split as far as like what I what I share out with people that come over or whatever, and and I I like to you know if it's if it's somebody who you know has is over at my house for the first or second time or whatever it's it's a okay what do you like right and you know we share based on on that recommendation um but i have the problem with what's in my beer fridge and what's in my beer cellar of my friends who are also craft beer nerds yeah bringing you know three four five bottles over two and you're like i i really kind of wanted to clear out what i have it's, it's a struggle <laughs> with every beer geek when we invite people over it's like, please don't bring anything oh i really want to try that thanks for bringing it but yeah right uh, now yeah. now we're not yeah. getting through my stash yeah so it, it's it's a lot of uh revolving okay i'll open one of mine one of yours one of yours one of yours and then just try to cycle through right um but but as far as yeah how do i balance being a home brewer and also being passionate about you know, local breweries and, and local beer. Um, I'm still trying to find that balance. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great answer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. Know. There's, there's beer under my pillow. There's beer in the attic. There's beer in my car. There's yeah. beer, <laughs> beer buried in the backyard. All of it. I get that. Yeah. I, I understand. Yeah, it's, it, and it's the, uh, my wife and I will, will, will joke about, okay, how do we drink through all this beer and try to lose some weight <laughs> oh well that's we just, we just don't talk about that right. in my house <laughs> like look you're pudgy i'm pudgy and we're both happy <laughs> yeah right that's you know i i'm like i i'm not uncomfortable you want a beer tonight yes i do <laughs> i'm not uncomfortable we still find each other attractive it's, you know, <laughs> um, for the record my wife is not pudgy she is beautiful she doesn't watch her show she doesn't care <laughs> was speaking hypothetically, gee, I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> this will be the one episode she does well, watch. Right. Listen I'm to. probably going to have to cut that as like a short clip or something for her TikTok. She's going to be like watching like cooking videos and she's going to stumble across my video. I'm like, what the hell? I know that guy. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> she's not budget. She's fine. Oh, Jesus Christ. 
uh, let's talk about let's talk about craft beer, uh, kind of uh, in a in a bigger sense, uh, like a, a bird's eye view sure. of um of of craft beer. Um, what what do you, what do you love right now? Like what what's what are the things that are getting you excited? Um, what are what what is not? So, I I love I love seeing you know some of the you know what historically have been more rare breweries to find in Cincinnati. I, right. I, I've liked seeing that even if I'm going to buy, you know, one thing that they have just as a, you know, and then I'm going back to everything Cincinnati, you know, or what's in my right. fridge, but, but it's nice to see. Um, it's, it's, it's nice to see Cincinnati getting that love. Um, I think, uh, um, I agree with that. And then, you know, I, I've enjoyed seeing this, which me even three years ago would have probably slapped current me upside the head, but I've loved seeing this resurgence of light loggers from local breweries. Yeah. I like that a lot too. Like there's, there's some cool things. Ha- like I'll go a couple different levels of that. Like I love seeing breweries making light loggers, spending time to try to figure out how to make a good light mm-hmm. logger. Cause there are a lot of loggers and light loggers and, uh, lighter beers that are not done well. The people that are putting the time into it and the focus into it to actually put out the good product. I right. love seeing that. Um, I will go um, kind of on the topic we've been talking about, about sour beer and, and things like that. The breweries that probably uh, it doesn't make sense for them to be putting out some of those barrel aged sours that mm-hmm. are from time mm-hmm. to time. And they're incredible. Yeah. Like, like, I really, really like seeing that too. I, I have... I guess for the past what five years, loved Ryan Geist's Outer Reachers program. Yeah, I, like it's yeah. been everything they make is great. Yeah, shout out to to um, to Ryan Geist for their barrel aged program. Narrow Path has Narrow some really amazing. really incredible barrel aged sours. Beautiful work. Um, there's there's some really great stuff out there that everybody uh, probably needs to try. And I know that I'm missing probably some places that have great barrel aged sour programs that I just can't think of off the top of my head because <laughs> wasn't planning on on talking about them. <laughs> So I didn't didn't do the research ahead of time, but um, if I go and look in my uh, uh, my cellar tonight, I can tweet out oh, this. This is great too. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's good stuff. Like there's really really good stuff, and uh, there are places that are spending time on things that that maybe maybe don't make the most financial sense mm-hmm. to spend as much time and and uh, effort as they are on it. And I think that that's. That's fun for beer drinkers too. Like it, it doesn't doesn't have to be about the uh, the end result. Yeah. It's just the 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 road to get there. That's that's the fun for us. What I what I like about the leaning into or the continued leaning into the craft breweries going into these light lager programs is that ten years ago you would hear craft brewers. You know when we had I don't know half the amount of craft breweries in in the United States. They would talk about how, well, we offer a Blondale because we can't make right. a good lager because mm-hmm. our tanks are conical and you need horizontal right. tanks to make lagers. And you can't make a lager well. I'm not going to make a lager if I can't make it well. And it's like, you know what? That sounds, to anybody who doesn't know, that sounds correct. To anybody who does know, you're just being pretentious. Right. Stop it with that bullshit. <laughs> yeah. You know, the the technology is around to be able to create good loggers, even though you use conical tanks. Yep. You don't have to have horizontal tanks, and you also don't have to have a cool ship to make 
to make a a, a sour beer mm-hmm. like or a wild ferment beer. Stop it. You know, we can we can do this. And the fact that that breweries are leaning into and doing it just makes them more relatable. Mm-hmm. A blonde ale does not taste like a, a, a American lager. Right. It just doesn't. It's close. It's close. But if you take the time to make one, then you become more inclusive to the drinkers that are looking for that. Well, and it just it brings up the question of why are you making what you're making? Are you making it just because uh, it's easier and it's faster? Because they, they uh, want to drink it. That's why brewers are doing it, too. Because everybody would finish their brew day and get a Blondale, and then they go and they crack some lagers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Which, which, you know, like when you get into craft beer, uh, at the end of the day, it should be, this is probably not the right way to word this, but it should be because you want to sit down and drink beer. Yes. <laughs> right. Like I recognize that there are a lot of people in the industry that don't drink for various reasons, and I respect all of that, and that's not what I'm saying. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, you should make beer because you want to drink beer and that yeah. you enjoy the experience of beer and the process of beer and the uh, the sharing of beer between people. If, mm-hmm. uh, if you... Uh, you know, if if there's a brewery out there where nobody in that brewery drinks beer and nobody likes the experience of beer, it's probably not a very fun brewery. That's like having a barbecue restaurant and you're a vegan. <laughs> That's a great, yeah. Yeah. great, great analogy. Uh, uh, how's your brisket? I don't know. I've never tried it. Yeah. Never tried. The smoked jackfruit is amazing. Right. We yeah. got some some. Tofu over there that's pretty good. <laughs> there, there was a point in time that uh, Burbank's Barbecue, mm-hmm. um, their kitchen manager was a vegan, and she did not know how their smoked products should taste, and she she would taste them once a month to make sure that it tasted like it tasted the last time. <laughs> it's just like... That's a that's a problem, and then and and I don't want to like say that everybody that uh, is dealing with meat should eat meat. I don't want to say that everybody that's dealing with alcohol should drink alcohol. Like I get right. that there are lots of other things in play there, but uh, at the same time, like there's a quality you know aspect that might be missed. Yeah, right. potentially. You, you, sure. It, yeah. Actually, I re- I respect the hell out of her for uh or for or even, them, for even yeah. doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's the way. At least. At least are you're you taking the, a sample of the product. No, but and are you the sure best? Right. Are you the best person for the job at that point? Like maybe, uh, maybe there's, uh, maybe there's some integrity too, and be like, you know what? Like I, I love managing this kitchen, but this is a, this is a, a meat place, and I don't eat meat. So I can't have lactose, is, but the place I work at makes pizza. I make pizza. I know that the sauce, cheese, and pepperoni so, is going to taste the way it's supposed to taste. But you probably have somebody that is uh, that is that is with you on your team that can be like, "Yeah, this of tastes course. this yeah. pizza tastes good." Right. Of course, <laughs> like that's that's also part of it. If you if you're the one that's like that's that's driving this thing, uh, you got to be able to drive it and be able to know what the hell you're talking about, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. You know that that's another thing as a home brewer. Yeah, I'm not going to brew a style I have no desire to drink. What if your wife wants it? Well. Here's the thing. We both like the same style. Well, see, that's a cat. Yeah. What if she decides tomorrow that she likes something that you don't like? What if she wants a pastry stout or something? Right. I'm just assuming you don't drink a lot of pastry stouts, but maybe I, I'm wrong. I, uh, he has a few. I, I have a few. I, 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 what is, I have, what is the style you don't like? I have yet to make meet the style that I truly don't like. What is your least favorite style? Right, right now, I am tired of. Milkshake IPAs uh-huh. and smoothie sours. I feel like everybody is get they keep making them and pastry stouts. I'm, I, I mean, I, I like a pastry stout. I, I like a good balanced pastry stout, which 
That's a rare. Thing. I don't think like, they're, they're overly abundant anymore. They're not. I, I think. I think no, pastry stouts just in general. Like six, eight to ten years ago, it, it was just everybody had. To, maybe six to eight years ago, it was just you know breweries made their whole model out we, of it. We talked yeah. about that. I was uh, uh, with uh, Michael from Medina mm-hmm. when. Michael from Adina was an actual identity. Adina is dead, <laughs> yeah. and 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 Michael just kind of drifts in and out. I'm like, yeah, I'm still here, guys. He does. <laughs> I got a message from Love last you, week. Uh, I talked to him a little bit today about last week's show. Oh, nice. Uh, we won't we won't talk about that. But Brewcast or Trooper Pod? It was all good stuff. No, definitely about you. Yeah, he talked about you. <laughs> over and over. Um, and, and, but we we talked. It was an episode. Uh, I think it was probably called "Is it Even Beer Anymore" or something like that, or "What Is Beer Anymore?" Something like that. Oh, I remember uh, that episode. We, yeah. we 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 talked about kind of kind of where craft beer is going, and he made the argument that like everybody is like like raising their pitchforks and running around about pastry stouts. And there really aren't that many pastry stouts. And the more I've like thought about, yeah, you really are like, you can't like, are there pastry stouts over there in the cooler? There are. There's probably a couple there. There are, but it's not, it's not as there's, uh, there's way more like seltzer and like light fruited, uh, light ales and things like that. than there are pastry stouts or even milkshake IPAs like way more. It's a it's an overblown thing at this point. It was something that people didn't. Uh, um, uh, people don't. Re- I don't think people love it. Sure. I'm glad there are fewer exploding cans in the market. That's a that's a bonus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they don't last long when they're when they're there. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Although there are still breweries that are in the cooler that their cans used to explode, and why people didn't uh, uh, rally against that, who knows? Just yell for it. It's fine. <laughs> 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 she's gone she's um you've seen how i got distracted you should have yelled <laughs> the cacao threw me off um but, but yeah you're right there are, there are not as many as as there used to be but that doesn't mean that i'm not burnt out on them right no i get that uh i'm burnt what am i burnt out on uh i mean i'm probably the same on that you know just overly lactose kind of milkshake ipas that don't make sense it's unbalanced I'm, well, and, I'm, I'm, I'm burnt out on unbalanced beers. That's, yeah. that's, I, I'm sick and tired of people just throwing something at me and hitting me over the head with them. Like, here's my beer. And like, I, I want, I want a beer. I want a beer that has different things that play with each other and right. kind of you know, fight with each other and, and dance with each other. I want, I want that balance of a beer. Yeah. Like, well, like on the smoothie sour front, which they're hardly sours. They're right. They're just, they're juice. But you can make a good smoothie sour. That you, is, you can. That when, is a that is a thing. When they are good, they're outstanding. And when they're anything else, they're practically undrinkable. Right. Well, I, and I would throw that with with any beer, any well, style. Yeah. I think that uh, um, you know a a a, a great uh, IPA is a beautiful. Th- excuse me, beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But a uh, an unbalanced sloppy IPA is still an unbalanced sloppy IPA. Right. <laughs> it's not fun to drink. It's not something that I want to order again. It's not something that I I get halfway through it. I'm like, man, this was ah, this was just a waste of my time, a waste of my money, a waste of my calories, a waste of waste of everything, a waste of your tap handle. That's up. Like it's just <laughs> it's a sloppy IPA. Yeah, <laughs> I, we we need less of that. Uh, what about breweries? Uh, who are you other than Urban Artifact? <laughs> Uh, who are you excited about lately? What what uh, what gets you 
what gets you excited to go out and drink and uh um, and I'll, I'll even pose the question what doesn't if you want to so, if you want to call somebody else. so so, yeah. so lo- locally i i love humble monk um you know mike and alicia do oh, amazing great, things great out there people. um and and it helps that they host the uh, blotarian brewing club every month so i assume you know, that's your homebrew club yeah that is <laughs> uh cincinnati's oldest homebrew club <laughs> um and, uh, you know, I love what third eye, you know, puts out and does, um, it's great being able to, you know, host trivia at fig leaf every week and go week in and week out and see what they have going right. on. Um, very excited. Their, uh, dark lager is back on tap. Uh, uh dark, cure, cure. dark side of the sun, oh, dark okay. side of the sun. Yeah. Curse is a dunk. Curse is a dunkle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But dark side of the sun. I was, I walked in last week. I don't know if I, I've, have I, have I had the dark side of the sun? Have I tried that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Fig leaf's got it on tap. I don't have it on tap yet. I have it in. I have have it in house. (laughs) I don't have it on tap yet. Uh, But yeah, they, it just, uh, when I walked in last week, I saw that on and that was all I drank all night long. Hell yeah. Um, Uh, Is it when you walk into a brewery for the first time, what are the things you look for? Uh, What, what, you know, what do you look at? And you're like, oh, this is, this is going to be a fun, fun trip here or, so what so, do you look at and you're like, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I look at where people are sitting is, is one. Ooh, ooh, that's good. <laughs> okay. Continue, continue. I never thought uh-huh. about that. So, so, you know, is, is the bar jam packed or is there nobody at the bar? Um, you know, those are two kind of clear indicators as to a type of place a place is going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to look around and see, you know, are are the people that are obviously working there, are they are they busy, you know, with with customers or are they are they busy, you know, doing, you know, cleaning tasks, those sorts of things, or are they just kind of TikToking? Right, right. Yeah. They they swipe it on their phones and all of that. Um, so, so yeah, what sort of attitude do they seem to have? That's, right. that's kind of a, a first gl- impression. Um, and you know, if, if I'm, if I'm going up to the bar, you know, how do they greet me? Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, is it, um, what can I get you? Or is it what? <laughs> <laughs> I get a lot of strange greetings at bars, but that's because, Sometimes people recognize me and yeah. then they give me some shit. Right. You're, you're kind <laughs> of a known entity in Cincinnati. doesn't mean that the brewery is bad. It just means that they're being assholes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I, I love that idea of like uh, observing where people are sitting. I've never really thought about that as like when you walk in, like pe- the bar is full and the tables aren't like, that's probably a good sign for what's happening with the, the culture of the place. Yeah. What about packing otherwise? <laughs> I'm okay with pack and plays. Yeah. As yeah. long as you keep the kids away from me, you know, you set up your pack and play over in the corner by the brew house. And then you come sit at the bar. Nice. I, yeah. I support that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. When, when, when we ha- come with kids in tow, it's typically, uh, we will find a table away from as many patrons as we can. Yeah, that's that's and, the right way to do it. <laughs> uh, or a table next to other kids their age where they can, right. uh, you know, uh, uh, make friends or whatever, yeah. whatever kids do. Slobber on each other. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so those are, those are things I, I look for in a, in a brewery. Uh, if, if people want to follow you out there on the social medias, uh, how do they do that? Uh, you can 
search my name that comes up for most everything um and then i have my my instagram cincy sours uh instagram handle um i should be more active than i am on it but i'm as active as <laughs> well seems to make sense well, well aren't you an administrator for I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm an admin for the 513 craft beer group right um so uh zach holly started it and invited Shout me out and, to zach holly yeah so it's a it's a fun group it uh it's, uh, it's it's hard to kind of figure out what craft beer group you belong in anymore. It, it's kind of an unpretentious craft beer group. Yeah, it definitely um, is. I, you know, let's, let's focus on five one three. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> five one three group. Let's focus on five one three. I I love all the other stuff too, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a Cincinnati nut. Yeah. So there's yeah. well. I'll, I'll put a link in the uh, the show notes to uh, to your Cincy Sours uh, page so that people can get over there and support you and make you start posting more about Cincinnati <laughs> Sour Beer because I think that there is a whole whole thing that could happen around that that people need to well, know and, more and about. That, that's why I I created that account was I'm like we have one of the best maybe the best fruited sour the best, yeah the best yeah fruited sour program in the nation and maybe beyond that why do we not have something dedicated to that? Right. Other than their own, you know, company brand socials. Right. Well, because we're all lazy as drinkers. We just want to sit around and drink and we don't want to, we don't want to post things about it. But, but I want people to know about the things that I love. I, I get that. So, uh, so you need to start posting more. All right. <laughs> uh, Marco, Julia, uh, anything that uh, you want people to know before we, uh, before we head out? No, I think Julia was about to say it, though. I mean, you find us at Truth Beer Pod. Uh, you find our podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Go follow our sister podcast, Cincy Beer Events. That's where we tell you about all the BBEs, which are big beer events in the city. If you're a brewery who uh, wants to get your message out, uh, send us the information, like I yeah. said, to uh, truthbeerpod.com. That way we can do that for you. We'd love to platform that information for you. Uh, Truth Beer Pod and... You know, that's, that's what we got. Follow them on social. And when you post an event, just tag them. Tag, tag, tag Truth awesome. Beer Pod. Or is there like a Cincy Beer Events social? Oh, no. no, I haven't no, created one of those no. yet. No, yeah, I, don't I, I have enough trouble with just the one. <laughs> I think that name might be still taken by somebody else, but maybe maybe we can get it for you. Uh, but yeah, tag them, tag them on social, Truth Beer Pod, and follow them. Listen to the show. Uh, follow Elijah. If if you need a podcast or a, uh, a trivia host, do you... Uh, do you have openings for trivia hosting or is your schedule like packed full of <laughs> this? My point? schedule's pretty packed full, but yeah, I, I <laughs> host through last call trivia. So two, two small kids. And, uh, um, I, I, I feel that pain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to keep talking about craft beer because, um, God damn it. It's so fun. <laughs> and, uh, if you guys like this show and you like what we do, you can go to cincybrewcast.com or no, well, yeah, I mean, you can do that, but go to the gnarly slash support and uh, you can support that way. Makes my wife happy. Makes me happy. Makes everybody happy. And when we're all happy, we, uh, we drink more. And, and I think that's what I'm about to go do is just drink more. <laughs> it's Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft.